0: And and the way she goes about she she talks in her normal voice halfway through the sentence and she's like, So when you're taught, when you're touching their tiny little titties, they're not really thinking. <laughs> and then and then she continues and she's like, So when 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 uh what about them? They're not thinking about Dr.
1: Bill's tinky little dinky.
0: And I'm like, what is happening here? Her version like, is a little less German than yours. I finally watched I. I-, I- Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, And this is David. And today, we finally watched Eyes Wide Shut. And the reason we're doing Eyes Wide Shut is our annual Christmas but not a Christmas movie. And honestly, David, uh, this one almost flew under our radar. But when you mention that you were like in passing, Eyes Wide Shut takes place during Christmas. I was like, perfect. And there's kind of a Christmas, like, it's actually like kind of a Christmas movie, right? Because all this non-Christmas stuff happens, but the way the movie ends and and the way it's kind of just set at the backdrop of Christmas really has to do heavily with the the movie. When I think of Christmas,
1: I always think sex cult. It's like my go-to. Uh, I actually think the reason I realized this was a Christmas movie, because I had seen portions of it, mostly the beginning. I really, (laughs) as a teen didn't make it far into this movie without having to pause it. Um, But we were playing framed the other day. And I think one of the pictures was of um, Tom Cruise walking up the stairs with like the Christmas tree. And I immediately, I think I got it. I was like, Oh, that's eyes wide shut. And I was like, how did I remember that? And then also I was like, oh, fuck, it's a Christmas movie. Right. Um, yeah. It's obviously not your traditional movie. And it is one that watching it now and th- like thinking back on it, because I had never, I don't remember if I had just seen scenes here or there, but this was such like a controversial movie when it came out in 1999. And like, that's how I knew so much about it um even as like i was like what 12 when it came out yeah. um and it's just kind of crazy to me now when watching it cuz it's like it is a it's an odd movie it's like a little bit weird cuz it is about a sex cult or that's like a main plot point really um but watching it now i'm just like it's it's fairly tame i guess and maybe that has a lot to do with like our, ax- I our, mean, a- what, what our access, what what are accesses to certain images you can at like any moment? <laughs> like I could type like what ten letters and see something way worse. Like at any point, you know, with the phone in our hands. So, yeah, yeah. But at the time, with like the internet being in its like infancy, I can I can imagine still like how crazy this movie was.
0: The thing is, is that apart from a little bit of topless nudity and bottomless nudity. Um, The, the subject matter I think is what is perverse. I guess you would call this like, um, you know, you you watched it and you told me, you're like, you know, I actually really liked it. I'm sorry you didn't. And that's only, and you only thought I didn't because I said, Oh, it's such a weird movie. I, I liked it as a film, like going into it and watching it as a, as a film I was like, you know, I really, I really think this is an interesting movie, and it has something interesting to say. Like the message is 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 somewhat interesting, um, but it, I said it was weird. It's a weird ass movie, and I stand by that. I liked it, but it's just a weird movie. And and I think where the weirdness comes from is not from the nudity, or, or even actually, it's kind of funny to say. But the least weird part is kind of is. The sex cult part, the weird part, is like in between what's happening on the main plot, right? So we have, we have this guy in kind of like a, a loveless marriage, and he's kind of traversing the terrain to have an affair. Um, is like the real ten thousand foot view on on this movie, and. The weird parts are not the sex cult, not the prostitute, not the the patient who died, whose daughter is horny for him. It's like the interaction of the like the eight dudes he has on the street. It's the interaction he has with the costume shop owner and his daughter. And like so everything that happens in between. Is what's weird for me, I mean, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. The kids on the street
1: scene is still like, when you mentioned, I it, was like, what are you talking about? And I literally just saw that scene again, like earlier today. Um, cause it just, it matters so little to the movie. I know it's obviously trying to make a point in that scene, but right. I mean, I think that that point is made several other times in this. It's like, you say it's a loveless marriage and, and we, we'll start talking about it, but it's like Tom Cruise didn't realize it was a loveless marriage until like that day. Like four hours ago, he was like, oh, shit, I thought things were great.
0: And it's so funny, too, because it's um, it basically the whole movie takes place in like two or three days. Right. Yeah. And the bulk of the movie, like the first hour and a half of this movie, it's like a two hour and two and a half hour movie. But the first hour and a half in this of this movie takes place over. The course of one day. Like 24 hours. Yeah, something like that, and it starts off with, uh, um, not not the movie, but the the bulk of it starts off with this conversation they're having, and then he's called away to a patient who's died, and it's like antics ensue from there, right? Um, and, but the the thing is, is that watching this movie, he says a line. Uh, that's kind of encompassing of his characters that he's not cocky. It's not why he doesn't think that his wife is going to cheat on him. He believes in her, that, that he's not, that she's not going to cheat on him. And then she says this story about how she almost left her entire family for this random dude. And, um, that that's when, and that, uh, his imagery of like them having sex, like sticks with him for the entire rest of the film. And that, what that's what drives him to like pursue all these possible affair routes. I don't know. It's like, you know that him playing this like really straight edge life for all his life and him like breaking bad all of a sudden is like, it's going to like get him killed or get him in trouble or something like that. So it's like leading up to this thing. And I, I will talk about that at the end, but uh But that kind of plot is really interesting to me. So I really like this movie.
1: You know, it's also interesting too is, so you were talking um, before about, you know, the fact that during this, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise were married and they were married in 1990 and then got divorced pretty soon after this, within a, a year or two, I believe, from what I read. And also just like, The effect, I I read some quotes from them, uh, from Nicole Kidman, like, you know, when we were doing this and it's like, we had to really give ourselves over to this movie and and they did it because of Stanley Kubrick because he's this like renowned director and they both really wanted to work with him. But I I don't think you, I, I think that this movie had to have some effect on like the end of that marriage. You know what I mean? That's like a fucking psychiatrist, like pop psychology bullshit thing I'm saying, but it's just like, Looking at it in this movie, it's like, how could you not, like, how could it not have some effect, right? And I was reading, like, some of the things, like, Stanley Kubrick made them both go to, like, psychologists and talk and really, like, delve into their fears of marriage and and of losing each other and things like that. Um, The the sex scene with the naval officer, uh, I read some quotes from him. So this was filmed over three days three straight days of filming various sex acts with this other dude. And like Kubrick wouldn't let her talk with Tom Cruise about what was happening, you know, in order to like assuage his fears of like what was happening to his wife, just so that like they would be further into the character of Tom Cruise thinking like, Oh, I'm losing my, you know what I mean? Like I'm losing my, my wife wants to cheat on me, this and that. My God. The the other crazy thing is, so this, um, according to a thing I read from the Guinness book of world records, this was uh, the longest constant movie shoot at 400 days. (laughs) So, and, and, and Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, like they had to basically move to England because Stanley Kubrick had like a fear of flying. And so this entire thing, which was set in New York was filmed in like London and studio in a studio. um, Oh, wow. And they were there for so long. Their kids started developing British accents (laughs) <laughs> um, and then the other really funny thing is, um, so Vincent D'Onofrio, who was in the last movie before this with, um, Stanley Kubrick, Full Metal Jacket, when he heard about this, he, he had a quote of saying, rent a house or, a, or, a, an apartment because you're going to be in England for a while. And then it was 400 days.
0: You, you know, what's funny is that I saw an interview with, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson about getting Tom Cruise for Magnolia. And he was invited on the set of uh, Eyes Wide Shut to meet Tom Cruise. And obviously he met Nicole and Stanley Kubrick. And the interviewer, uh, like in this, in this, um, basically it was just a, it was a question about getting Tom Cruise in Magnolia. And they even stopped as like a segue in this interview for just to say how long Eyes Wide Shut production was. I thought that was funny. Yeah.
1: I mean, and I think that was probably not part of the controversy, but just part of the noise around this movie of like 400 days. Like, that's crazy because you're also like this affected like the Mission Impossible 2 movie and just had like wide ranging effects. And it's but didn't just- you
0: say Magnolia came out at the same time as Eyes Wide Shut too? Yeah, I think this had to just be filmed
1: so much earlier. Like, I don't know exactly when it was filmed because Mission Impossible 2 came out in 98. So I imagine this had to be filmed before that. And then Magnolia came out in 99. So I think this is probably just in post for a long time. And, you know, um, Stanley Kubrick died before this came out in theaters, but he, like, presented this to the Warner Brothers, like, his version of it. But I think he was working on it for a while is what it has to be. So it's mm. just like he took two of the biggest movie stars on the planet for 400 days over in England. And they just took them out of like, <laughs> up from all these other things they could have been done. And it's just kind of, kind of funny. Um, I do, I do think we should just start getting into it. And there's like an opening 20 minutes of this, which is, is interesting. It's like, not a lot happens, but it's really just establishing like the state of this marriage. Right.
0: You, you, um, you mean like them walking back and forth from their in their apartment, getting ready for this Christmas party?
1: Well, that takes like two minutes, but I'm talking all the way to like through the Christmas party. It's through like the, the whole Christmas thing, party. The whole thing is just like the state of the marriage. And it starts with him like, she's like, oh, how do I look? And he's like, oh, you look beautiful. And she's like, you're not even looking at me. He's like, well, you always look beautiful. And it's just like, he's sort of blissfully unaware that things aren't great. Right. Right. Um, I do love the detail of there's this music playing and it's overpowering. So, you know, it's like sound. It's a soundtrack to the movie is what the music is. And mm-hmm. I love the detail of him going and turning off the radio and it turns it off. And you're like, oh, that was like what they were listening to, not what we
0: were listening to. And it's like, I, I loved it. I really like that, too. You know what? One thing surprised me is when this movie starts is the shots in their apartment looks like uh, like a, almost like a home video. Right, yeah. like the quality isn't that great, the lighting isn't that great, and then, um, and then you wonder, like, why does the soundtrack sound like it's coming from the other room? Because it is. So it it almost just kind of throws you in the actual lives of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman for a second, like their their kids in the next room going to bed, you know, stuff like that. The babysitter, I love the interaction with the babysitter. Um, but the thing that that struck me the most in the first two minutes is we are introduced to Nicole Kidman going to the bathroom. And uh, I think that's really interesting because it kind of shows just how absolutely comfortable they are in this situation, or at least it shows her. I, I don't know about you. Like I, for me and my wife, like we'll, we'll go to the bathroom in front of each other, but I know people who are in marriages who like shut the door and like you are not allowed to see me pee or anything. You co-host the podcast with the uh, like people that do that. Oh, you you don't really? We
1: don't. You know, we don't go to the bathroom in front of each other. What's funny is Ashley actually gets mad if I don't lock the door. And she's oh, like, like, she walks, just walks in. She walks in, and I'm like, what's funny is like there's a door, and then there's another little sub room where the toilet and the shower is, and she'll like open that door, like she'll even open her bedroom door, and I'll yell from there, and be like. I'm in here and she's like, "Why don't you lock the door or close the door?" I was like, "How do I don't know.
0: I told you I was coming in here to poop. Like I don't know what you really wanted from me." So That's that's weird. That's okay. I mean, maybe it's just I don't know. I don't know. The other thing just as a start from this by the way is the directors that
1: Tom Cruise has worked with is insane now when you think about he's this guy that does like action movies. And he has like Stephen McCrory is his like kind of handpicked guy that he works with now to just do mission impossible. And he did like the mummy movie, but he has worked with Stanley Kubrick, Mm Steven Spielberg, Paul Thomas Anderson, Francis Ford Coppola, Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, Martin Scorsese, Oliver Stone, Ron Howard, Rob Reiner, Sidney Pollack, Brian De Palma, Cameron Crowe. It's, fucking insane to me like (laughs) it's it's like he has two different careers and it's like maybe eyes wide shut and and uh magnolia are like the the switching point right i don't know well no because he still does spielberg movies after this but spielberg's also like much more commercial but it's just it's just interesting like the first half first two-thirds of his career versus now where it's like i couldn't see him working with these people anymore
0: I I, I see what you're saying. It almost seems like any sort of minority report sort of movie. And like this is like completely two separate people. Like Mission Impossible versus Magnolia. Like, like what's up with that connection, right? No. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's absolutely. It's it's like, it's like, it's, you're so used to Tom Cruise being in like Mission Impossible and you're like okay that's his franchise that's kind of where he lives right but then when he goes off and does something like live die repeat right it's 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 weird cuz it's like oh it's kind of it's a it's a sci-fi but you're apart from like maybe war of the worlds you're not super used to tom cruise doing sci-fi not in this day and age well you know?
1: the the other thing the, the point i'm making too is like so his mission impossible is similar to like, uh, Vin Diesel in fast and the furious right now, like where Vin Diesel sort of exercises control over. And that's really the only thing Vin Diesel like does successfully right now. And Tom, but Tom Cruise, you know, does the mission of stuff, possible stuff, but he's like, he's way more successful at it. Those movies are like actually good. And like, he <laughs> does do this other stuff too. You know what I mean? He just did top gun, which is like one of the best movies this year. um, loved by a ton of people made a ton of money. Maybe have single-handedly saved like movie theaters um, until Avatar two came to to help out. So it's just, it, it's just funny. Like the change in his career where he's just like, you know what? I'm not making these type of movies where I have to live in England for 400 days. I'm just going to, instead I want to, have you seen like the, the video now of him? Like there's like this behind the scenes footage of him doing like the jumping off the, he jumps off the cliff with a motorcycle. In the next Mission Impossible movie. Okay. He does. It. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like the whole, you know, the, uh, what was it? Uh, Not Ghost Protocol. Maybe it was Ghost Protocol or Rogue, Rogue Nation where he like does a thing where he ha- actually hangs off a plane. Right. You know, each new movie. And so then like Fallout, he has to like fucking uh, fly a helicopter by himself, right? And so what it's, did like, you even
0: he- see? Did you even see like the, the, um, the way he introduces the trailer for for Top Gun is he's on top of a of a jet, and he's like he's like whole like on top of the jet. He's like, hey, I really I'm really just shooting something here. I I got to get back. Um, so hopefully we'll see you in theaters. And then the jet like just takes like a tailspin, and he's just riding on top of it like a fucking horse. And it's just he yeah he's insane. So uh, back
1: to the movie. Another like cool little detail is the. Nicole Kidman, we could talk about Tom Cruise forever. Yeah, that's true. Nicole Kidman named uh, like name drops their babysitter. And then the second later, as they're walking down the hallway, Tom Cruise is like, what's the babysitter's name? And it's just like the dichotomy or the differentiation between like, she stays at home. She handles like the kid. And he is like the rich doctor who like, you know I mean? Comes home at, at night. Although it doesn't seem like he works too much, but he does like his house calls and he can leave at any hour but it doesn't seem like he's killing himself. Um, but just like all these like little things that kind of establish that. Um, and then we get to the party where they're both just like kind of immediately flirting with other people. Like they, you know, they dance together and then he runs into the the guy that he knows that plays the piano. Um, but then right after that, she like meets this, what the suavest Hungarian man I've ever seen. And he's, meets two models who I'm very curious if they're models or were those prostitutes, you know what I mean? Based on like what we see in the rest
0: of the movie. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But, but it's funny too, because it's like, you, you think the movie is setting it up so that she's going to be the, the one that's difficult to seduce. So you're right. It's like, Kubrick hired the most suave Hungarian actor that he could find and give him like the most suave lines to seduce Nicole Kidman. Um, Her character's name is Alice in this movie, but I think it's, I mean, it's, it's Alice and Bill, but I think it's way easier for us to just call them Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise in this this state. That's what I plan on doing. Um, But you, you have this interaction where he's, hitting on her like really, really hardcore, but kind of kind of uh hidden under all these like um not innuendos, but just doing it in a in a in a smooth way. Um and then you have Are you
1: familiar with the poet
0: Ovid? And then uh oh first of all the way he approaches her by like just like staring at her she puts out her drink. He picks up her drink, and then she's like, "Oh, I think that's my drink." And he's like, "It most cer- I know it is most certainly your drink." And then just <laughs> drinks it. I wonder how many times that would actually work in like a real world situation. I'm guessing zero. Yeah, he's probably his his batting
1: average is like really low. You know what I think it is? It's like a power move to where. Oh, yeah. If it, if the girl doesn't immediately like walk away in disgust, he's like, I have a very high probability of like hitting that that night. You know what I mean? So it's like, it gives him like a yes or no, like really early on. You know what I mean? So it's probably
0: like a low batting average,
1: but when it does work, it works very quickly.
0: Yeah. He doesn't waste his time. When Nicole Kidman peeks over and sees Tom Cruise talking with those two girls, you're thinking, oh, by the way, also. How short Tom Cruise is in, in like comparison to like everyone he's standing next to when he's not on an Apple box is hilarious. It it well I, he's the I same mean,
1: height as he's the same height as Nicole Kidman when they're dancing, which is like
0: laughable. Yeah, it's it's so funny, and like not to not to piss off any short kings out there, right? But uh, the hold your head high,
1: the, as high the as, fact as
0: high as, as high as you can. <laughs> I just want to make clear that that's David's (laughs) comments. So no, but the thing is though, is that when his whole attitude is, he's kind of cocky and he's really, uh, he's really just like into himself. And then when, I mean, I guess that's just kind of true to Nate, like true to life, right? Like you notice like a lot of like, short guys are just like overly compensating on how cocky and bullish they are. You know, I think a lot of things have, uh, especially
1: at this point had gone right in Tom Cruise's life to where he just had reason to be that confident and to be able to play that character. Um, The other thing is both this Hungarian guy and the two models just like, and it's, it's this thing that like is probably very true to like kind of elitist parties in like New York or LA They just said a whole bunch of shit that didn't really mean anything. You mean like Like, they talked in this very like they just talked in this like very airy way. Like he's like, Have you heard of Ovid and the way he talked about love? And oh yes, he has a a very great life in the end. And then the girls are like, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just like they didn't actually like say anything of substance. It's just like they both just like both of them just wanted to fuck. You know what I mean? Like all three of those,
0: the two women and him. I have a really funny story, and, and um, when we were doing Perks of Being a Wallflower, and I told you a funny story in relating to that, you were mad at me that I didn't say it on the podcast. I lived in L.A. for about a year, and I had this manager who used to always take me to these really, really extravagant parties. Like I was nobody, but she was convinced that if I went to enough of these parties, I eventually would rub elbows with the right person and be somebody. Um, I did not, and that's fine. And so and That's why we're doing this. And that's, what no, but so I went to one of these parties. It was like, um, it was like a premiere slash art gallery opening premiere for a movie arts gallery opening for this art gallery. And you had all these really, really, um, wealthy people attending there. And I'm in my suit. I'm walking around. I know no one. I absolutely know no one. I lost my manager. So I'm just like, where's the food? Where's the drinks? Whatever. So I'm walking around and. uh, I run into this woman and her friend, and they probably are in their like maybe early to mid 40s. And they just started talking to me. And I was like, not thinking really anything of it. I'm a horrible like, uh, first of all, at that time, I wasn't married to Taylor, but she was still my girlfriend. And uh, so I'm very bad at noticing when people are flirting with me. And so she's she's flirting with me now that I like can look back at it. I was like, yeah, she's hardcore flirting with me. But what made me aware of this is I'm standing in front of a painting and I'm just like looking at it. And She comes up behind me and she goes, she goes something like. Huh. This really reminds me of Monet, and I go yes. And I don't know why I said this, and I said I said yes. But you know the the art, artistry of Monet is much more cohesive with this painter's uh, vision, or something. I said something pretentious, and she goes, "Oh, you mean Monet?" And I go, "Oh no, Monet." He's he's a different artist around that time, and she was like awestruck with me knowing this. Literally 15 seconds later, she pulls me inside. She goes, "So you're new around here, right? <laughs> like you're new in town." And I was like, "Yeah." And she goes, "She goes, hmm. For being so new in town, I'm sure you haven't had a chance to have sex in L.A." And I go, so you're only I, now years later figuring out that she was flirting with you. No, I mean, I knew then <laughs> I knew then. But like all the conversation up to it, I, I didn't see it coming. Like, I didn't see this conversation coming. Right. You didn't either. She's like, <laughs> she goes, she goes. And, you know, she was a very attractive woman. But I was I was dating Taylor at the time. And so she goes, I and it just the way she said it, too, it was just like, really like, oh, my God. She's like, yeah, I, I bet you haven't had sex yet in LA and <laughs> while you're here and I go oh um no I'm I'm staying with my girlfriend she literally left in the middle of me of me saying that sentence and I never saw her again for the rest of the party <laughs> and I was like okay
1: fair much like that Hungarian in the movie she once it once it was done she's like I gotta find someone to bone and like she moved on <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly
0: you really wasted kind of a lot of her time <laughs> I didn't know. I just mentioned Manet. I didn't know that got anyways, whatever. Um So we we get back to the party. Uh
1: this party, not your party. And I, I just I think like the most interesting part that happens here is when it seems like so, so there's a question in this movie of whether Tom Cruise has like ever cheated on Nicole Kidman before. And I don't think he has. I think that's what the movie's getting at because he's also just really bad at it, especially with the prostitute.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But these women are like, do you want to go to where the rainbow ends? And he like he kind of puts his arms out and makes a distance between them, but also is like, oh, what's uh, what does that mean? But then like the guy comes up, he's like, oh, Mr. Ziegler wants to see you upstairs. And it's uh, Sidney Pollock is Mr. Ziegler. And, um, that sort of stops that from happening, but he goes up there, and there is a prostitute just completely naked passed out in a chair mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise does what any doctor would do in that situation, I guess just talks her back into health.
0: I, doctors like he are very, actually, are very he good doesn't at do that. anything he checks um, her vitals, he checks her vitals and makes sure he like you know makes sure her eyes are something with her eyes and her Airwaves are clear. I don't know, man. It's Tom Cruise. He can talk anyone back to health.
1: Um, and th- this is what I want to talk about, because I didn't realize this until I told you today. I was like, oh, I'm going to put it on for a second time. And you're like, well, good luck with that. I don't think I need to. Did you know that this character, Mandy, that was passed out is the mysterious woman at the orgy?
0: Yes. I did not. I didn't, I didn't put it together. It, he, Cindy Pollock even says it at the end. Tom, Tom Cruise asks him point blank. I
1: didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I know. Is He's Mandy
0: was, the same girl? And he goes, yeah. I didn't remember her
1: name was Mandy from the first part.
0: <laughs> so oh, that's what I was okay.
1: Confused. But what's crazy is the woman who's naked in the chair is different than the woman who's naked at the party. And I was like, maybe I didn't recognize her breasts because she was laying back and then she was standing straight up. Maybe that's why I couldn't recognize the titties.
0: I think but that's I was like, it because he, when she's in the morgue, when she's in the morgue, her body looks the same as, as at the sex cult party. But it's, I no, agree with you.
1: No, the, the morgue girl, I think, is um, the original Mandy
0: from looking at IMDb. Oh, are you actually saying that they chose two different actresses? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay.
1: Yeah, the girl who the girl who is in the first scene with Sydney Pollack, her name is Julian Davis. And I think she's also the one that's laying flat in the morgue. But the mysterious girl is a different woman. Her name's Abigail Good. I couldn't even find a picture of her online. Um, I didn't search that well. But she, yeah, so it's played by two different actresses, which also looking online on people discussing the movie, like confused people with the story. About yeah. like, what was happening here. Because when, when you meet that character, I don't know why. And maybe it's because I watched it in two separate occasions. But when you meet uh, the character at the party who's like, you're in grave danger. I was like, is that the girl, the naked girl in his doctor's office? Like, who is that? And then it's like fairly obvious it has to be like the Mandy girl from before. Because, you know, once again, you don't introduce a gun in a movie unless it's going to be shot later. Like, you don't right. introduce a naked... But, but that naked prostitute Mandy in the beginning could like clearly be for a different reason. Anyway, she took heroin and coke, some sort of cocktail of that. It's called a speedball.
0: It's
1: <laughs> called a speedball. It's a speedball or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm too fucking old for this. Uh, he, he he looks exactly the same as old like eight years later in, in Michael Clayton. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, it was also funny... Uh, Tom Cruise is like, yeah, you need to, uh, just let her stay here for an hour. And he's like an hour. Fuck. (laughs) It's like, let's get her out of here now. Uh, yeah, she has
0: a, she, she has a party to attend tomorrow evening. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, that's the kind of the whole crux of the movie, right? Is that Tom Cruise is scared for his life because the same girl who warned him ends up dead 12 hours later. Um, at the morgue and then you're supposed to connect that that's the same girl that's Mandy. And that's the same girl from the, from the beginning of the movie. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, her boobs look the same when she was lying on the morgue and when she was warning Tom Cruise at the sex cult, but whatever. I mean, her, her real name was Amanda something. And then she showed up in that newspaper article and that's why Tom Cruise and that, that doesn't, that confused me a bit, too, because in the newspaper article, it gives her her full name. I think it's Kieran, Amanda Kieran. Yeah, Amanda Kieran. And,
1: Amanda Kieran.
0: Yeah. And he goes to the hospital and he's like, hey, I would like to check on one of my patients that I I put in, Amanda Kieran. She goes, oh, Amanda Kieran d- died. And then he seemed shocked by that. But he knew that because of the newspaper article.
1: Well, I thought that too, but it's the newspaper said she OD'd. OD'd means you overdose. It doesn't mean you died from an overdose.
0: Oh, okay. I thought I thought it was pretty clear cut I thought that it was, she died. I thought it was
1: too until he went there cuz why is there an article about someone OD'ing but surviving? I don't know. Right. I mean, it was right. like it was like back back page. I just, so I did, I just forgot the girl's name in the beginning and I didn't write it down. And so when he sees that, I just thought he had like made the connection somehow in his head, and I was like, "What the fuck are you talking? Like, why?" Um, but we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, the only thing I want to say um, before we get to the next day is there's like right after this, there's a scene where Tom Cruise—it's basically what is about to be a sex scene—and they're they're like in front of a mirror naked, and then he starts kissing her, and she kind of just looks off, like she couldn't be less interested in, in fucking Tom Cruise, and like she's what maybe thinking about the Hungarian businessman. But right. uh, while that's happening, it's um, Chris Isaac's Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing. And that song was actually put in there because Nicole Kidman liked to listen to music during her, like, nude scenes. And, like, I think that's one of the songs she listened to, and Kubrick's like, oh, that works. Um, and then, so the next day is just a montage of their, like, boring normal day. Well, boring for for uh, Nicole. Uh, Nicole Kidman, but he's off, like, just, I gotta say, there's no, like way to say this but these are like the nicest boobs in movies just the amount of them and all like it and oh, I'm saying i this see what it, you're saying yeah just all of them there weren't a bad pair and like it feels like it, it's like something you couldn't even do now i guess you have to do it but it's like I just imagine Stanley Kubrick in a dark lit room, just like a fucking binder of just tits. And he's just like, okay. okay. Oh, you imagine a binder. I'm
0: imagining like these women coming in and he's like, okay, this robe. Yes. Okay. Uh, You will do just fine. Thank you. Please stand over there. (laughs)
1: Like, it's just like he had, there had to be some sort of like way that he was like, yes, these will work. Those will work. Yep. All of those. Great, 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 great. Um, but yeah, so Tom Cruise is like at his doctor's office and just like another, like, probably like the hottest woman in the movie is just like in that doctor office scene. And so she probably was also like one of the masked women later on, right? Yeah. Um, and so he's just going through his day and then she's going through her day of taking care of the daughter. We found out that she like used to ran an art gallery, but now she's unemployed and she's a stay-at-home mom. Um, those are her words, not hers. Stay-at-home mom is a very important job and I value it. So just to be clear. Um... And then we get to the night where they decide to smoke pot, and it's like it starts going downhill. When she's like, "Did you fuck those two girls?" That's when he's like, "He's like, what? what? (laughs) What? What?
0: Excuse me." He gives this. He gives this look like I am way too high for this question. (laughs) This is not (laughs) what I (laughs) wanted. I mean, it's true. It's true. And then he's like, "No." And then I mean, she brings up a good point. She's like, "You disappeared." Like halfway through the night and the last time I saw you, you were with those two girls. Never saw those girls. Never saw you. Like what happened? And it does question. us like, what did happen to those two girls? Similar to the cougar at your party. They found their next their next person. They just left. They moved yeah. on. Uh, yeah. So she she was like, oh, he he gave the explanation. He was like Zeigler. Uh, got sick so I had to like look after him which it's kind of stupid because I don't know if you, I mean you don't go to the bathroom in front of your wife fine but do you tell your wife everything like everything that happens to you like even when people come to you David and they're like hey I'm gonna tell you in this in confidence do you immediately go and just tell Ashley because I cause sometimes for me, I mean it, it, Unless someone specifies, okay, I'll I'll say this, unless someone specifies, hey, don't tell Taylor this, it's a surprise or a secret or whatever, then fine, I won't. But if it's like a secret, like, hey, don't tell anyone this, I was like, that doesn't include my wife, you're an idiot. So... Um, I mean, I I exercise some judgment. I I mean, I tell
1: her most things, but some things I'm just like, one, she doesn't need to know or like, you know, it doesn't involve her or whatever.
0: Yeah. No, but I guess my point is, no, of course, obviously. But I guess my point is in this case is that if your wife is suspecting you of cheating on on her. And you could easily be like, look, Zeigler had a prostitute who OD'd on a speedball and they called me up to like take care of her. That would pretty much shut down the argument right there. But this like miscellaneous, like he got sick at his own party and I had to go All and right. take care of him for 30 minutes. That, that makes like absolutely no sense. But he doesn't divulge that um, confidentiality that he has to, to Sidney Pollack. So that's I, where I, kind I, of things start going
1: downhill. It does depend a little bit, right? Like, the relationship between Nicole Kidman and Sidney Pollack's wife, you know, if they're, like, close, then it's, like, am I going to divulge it to her and now put this problem in her lap of, like, oh, your husband cheats
0: on you? And, like... You
1: no, know I, I guess mean? you're like,
0: right. I, I didn't think about their relationship with each other. Which we wives. don't know. They
1: they probably don't have any. Like, they
0: probably don't have a relationship
1: because she seems to be pretty, like, cut off from everything except for whatever Tom Cruise does. But But maybe... Yeah. Um, this whole argument is like, so kind of fascinating to me. Cause there's like several points where I feel like Tom Cruise just says like kind of the wrong thing. Right? Like he's like, <laughs> Oh, of course, of course he wanted to fuck you. And she's like, Oh, why? Just cause if someone wants to talk to me, that's all they want to do. And he's like, I, I would have been like, well, no, I saw the way he looked at you, but he's like, well, I mean, you know how men are. And she's like, Oh, so you did want to fuck those two girls. And he's like, no, I don't want to fuck those two girls. Cause I'm married to you. Why would you say that you only didn't want to fuck them because you're married to me, not because you just didn't want to? I was having this discussion with Ashley. I was like, of course I would have fucked those models if I'm not married to you. What do you mean?
0: I, I've i had this I've had this uh, conversation with Taylor and that is I'll, 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 I'll that is not the correct answer. I'll tell you that right now. Um
1: in a world I, where i don't where oh in a world where you and i aren't together i'm not allowed to have sex with supermodels
0: no <laughs> no it's not it's not like they're not together it's it's the fact that they're married that they have this commitment and i think what she was looking for is that even if they weren't married if they were just in a relationship but he said married and i think that's where that's where the argument went wrong i don't i don't
1: uh, no cuz her her comment was like Not some obligation to me, but just because you didn't want to is what she said, which either way, then she's
0: stupid. No, of course
1: they were hot. One of them had like a weird name. Just been screaming at her. (laughs) You know what I mean? So whatever. So then, uh, and then she's like, okay, but what about when you're in the doctor's office, squeezing all those titties, which is funny because he just squeezed a pretty good pair earlier. And he's like, sex is the last thing on my mind. She's like, well, what about them? Don't you think they're thinking about your dick? And what he should have said is, I don't know. And that doesn't matter because I'm not going to fuck him.
0: But instead, he's like,
1: no, they're not thinking about sex. And that's no, like- no,
0: no. So so that line delivery that she gives is one of the weirdest line deliveries I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. And and the way she goes about she she talks in her normal voice halfway through the sentence. And she's like, so when you're taught when you're touching their tiny they're not really thinking, and then and then she continues, and she's like, "So when 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 uh, what about them? They're not thinking about Doctor Bill's tinky little tinky." And I'm like, "What is happening here?" Her version like, is a little less German than yours. <laughs> she was taking she was taking the accent from the Hungarian guy, no, but the 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 way she delivers that and the high pitch falsetto, like you know, she goes into the latter half of her sentences so weird, but also it's just like, I really liked it. Like I thought that was pretty cool, like pretty natural of like someone would say in that kind of high emotional state, but I've never heard Nicole Kidman do that ever. And I, I just thought it was just so like random.
1: Yeah. And then I think this all leads to, she wanted to pick a fight that night because I think she's been feeling the guilt and finally needed to tell him about like this mental cheating that she did where she was going to leave her family and him a if, year later if, just for this naval officer. If he wanted to fuck her, she was going to fuck him. Like she's she's like, <laughs> if he wanted it, it would have happened. Like nothing could have stopped it. Um, <laughs> And like her monologue about that is so good. It goes on so long. It is so detailed. And she's just like, Yeah, this guy, um, I would've I would have fucked him. And um and I actually thought when I first heard it that she was gonna end up saying, like, they did, because she's like, Remember when he got this note and was called away? And I was like, Was the note from from you? But no, like she they just random, I guess. Um, and it's just funny that it all ends with. The phone call and he's like, well, I got to go. This has been great, honey, but I got to go make a house call at like 11 o'clock at night. And at this point, there are just a series of weird events until we get to the orgy, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. But, you know, he goes over to this house and this woman who he like he even says, I barely know you except for like treating your father just starts making out with him and is like, I'm in love with you. I my fiance wants us to move away, but I even if I never see you again, just knowing that we're in the same city will be enough. And he's like, "What are you talking about?
0: Like, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean?" You know, it's funny. I was I was um, Taylor walked in about halfway through this movie, and uh, I was explaining to her how many times that he like avoided cheating on her on his wife, and. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he kissed the prostitute and he went to the orgy knowing it was an orgy. But other than that, you know, he was kind of free and clear. And she was like, well, what about the the girl with the di- with the dead father in the beginning? I was like, that doesn't really count. She goes, oh, that doesn't count. And I re- re- rewind the movie. And I was like, no, because she 100 percent jumped on his bones. He didn't he didn't reciprocate at all. He, but he didn't even thing- see it coming. You no, didn't no, even no. know it was happening. It was so out of the order, <laughs> like out of the blue. No, but the thing that, that Taylor made notice of is that he didn't push her out of the way. He let her, he didn't kiss her back, sure, but he let her complete the kiss all the way through. And I and I took that for me. I was like, you know, but she just lost her father. So, like, maybe yeah, it was it'd, being, be rude. <laughs> it'd be rude. It'd be rude to just if she stop. Started to, if she started to
1: S his D, he'd
0: have to let her finish that too. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> It's rude. But what do you think about that? Seriously, like, like, should he have like, like, pushed her off immediately? Or was he just being like polite and letting her finish?
1: I think he was being polite. And then when he recounted it to his wife later, he's like, I pushed her off immediately. (laughs) I don't even think he mentioned it to his wife. Well, I think he clearly the implication is he tells her everything at the end. And I don't remember when this happens later. But at one point when he's like at his lowest and he's, like, thinking about his wife cheating. He actually calls that woman back. I know.
0: Yeah. But her
1: fiancé answers. And he's like, oh, this is... A... There's so many times where he's, like, going to cheat, but something happens. And it her is fiance, funny say... Her fiancé, Greg Clark? Is it Greg? No. No, his name is Thomas Gibson, but he's Greg
0: from Dharma and Greg. Oh, I know a, a, him as Hotchner from Criminal Minds.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it.
0: Originally... Greg from
1: Dharma and Greg. Um, He's also like him and Tom Cruise. I think we're at the same height, but I think he's probably way taller than Tom Cruise too. Um, And then we get to one of your favorite scenes where Cruise is just walking the streets. He does a lot of walking in this and he he runs into some street toughs. I call them
0: rapscallions. Yes.
1: Who use, there was something I read that I don't know if it's true, but it seems so funny is that, Tom Cruise's character originally, his first name in this was going to be Rascal and that he said that he would walk off set if anyone ever called him Rascal and they like had to change the name. But That's like seems like a random half-assed fact that I don't know if it's true, <laughs> but because he said Rapscallion, it made me think of it. But yeah, he he gets bullied by these guys who just keep making like, you know... Like homoerotic comments at him, and like this is a exit only, buddy. As they're like showing their asshole to him, and then just making blowjob signs, It just like goes on for a while. And I guess it's to what just emasculate Tom Cruise and make him feel even worse. Emasculate
0: the- him, yeah, I think that's exactly it. Which is like I I don't think you really need that, but like I guess pack your move, pack your two and a half hour movie. Do you think would it be Ethan Hunt or
1: Jack Reacher who would have just beat the shit out of them for even touching him?
0: oh you could tell you could you could tell that a little bit of ethan hunt was like like coming out of him like as he was like taking this like taking this verbal abuse and he just had to like dial it back he's like i could kill all you motherfuckers with my pinky if i wanted to i think
1: there are so many scenes in this movie that were filmed like hundreds of times or whatever i imagine this one tom cruise like i think we got it i think we're done here so the next scene i want to talk about is uh, Tom Cruise doesn't know how to deal with a prostitute because he gets picked up by this woman who apparently uh, Melissa Joan Hart uh, auditioned for this role. And that would have been fucking weird to see Sabrina the Teenage Witch about to suck Tom Cruise's D as a prostitute. Yeah. Just yep. saying that. Um, yep. <laughs> she's like, they, he goes into her apartment and she's like, oh, so, it, you know, price just depends on what do you want. And he <laughs> says, what
0: do you recommend? Like, it's a fucking menu. You know, well, but though, honestly, <laughs> you know, honestly, though, he probably dealt with it exactly like I would deal with it. Just like a guy who never dealt, who's never dealt with a prostitute. I don't know. I don't know. And you don't want to be rude. You don't want to be like, look, I, I want, I want, you know, anal right off the bat. And she's like, whoa, whoa, buddy. And he's like, you know, what? just just the chef's special. The daily, the soup of the day. Soup du jour,
1: please. So, uh, but then his wife calls him and he's like, all right, I guess I can't do this because I've been reminded. I'm I love the
0: line. I love the line from the prostitute. She goes, was that Mrs. Dr. Bill? Right. Yeah.
1: She's great. Like, She's he's like, she yeah. great in her, in her tiny little bit. Uh, it's sad that she was HIV positive in the end of this. Not the, say- actri- not the actress, the, the character. Yeah, I don't know anything about the actress. I like the character. Um, which I guess is also what... I think, you know, the 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 movie is dealing a lot with, like, oh, just, like, the world is depraved. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I guess that just kind of plays into that, like, the fact that she's HIV positive and, like, really revealing, like, he could have made this, like, huge mistake if he had, like, slept with this woman and it's just, like, how huge it would have been because, one, it would have ruined his marriage, but it also would have, like, potentially ended his life. Mm-hmm. um and then he goes to see uh nick nightingale and um this is like when fucking kind of crazy tom cruise comes out you know like the kind of manic laugh he does when he's like trying yeah. to like be jovial someone's like hey, you know i'm not gonna let you leave without telling me where this party is <laughs> 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 like the ben stiller uh playing him on that uh, yeah. that video um I love the touch of him writing down the password and Tom Cruise sticks his hand to hold the piece of paper so he can. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like such a smart little thing. And then him just explaining, like, I play these gigs. There's blindfold- I'm blindfolded. But like one time I wasn't. He's like, and I'm not a prude, but oh, my God, the things I saw and the women. And like he almost like bites his lip. <laughs> like he's so like they're so fucking hot.
0: Yeah. And they are. They are. Um I mean from from the neck down that's all we know at least.
1: What one thing I wanted to say real quick is um yeah. it was really cool seeing so Todd Field plays Nick Nightingale and he actually like directed one of my favorite movies. He's only directed I think like three things, but it was um Little Children, which starred Kate Winslet uh from okay. like 2006, but he's the director of Tar, which just came out and is probably going to get nominated for best picture.
0: It's oh. just cool
1: cool to like see him right now like doing this you know he's i need to see that i
0: need to see a bunch of the best i missed a lot of best pictures uh picture noms last year I well yeah
1: need you need to do to better watch, you, yeah you were supposed to watch most of them because we we're gonna like do a little thing where we talk you about
0: know what things. i actually did pretty good i actually did i actually made up uh uh you know i kind of wasted time by watching that that lucille ball thing i don't think that would have i don't know why i did that but now i can say i've seen that so
1: i actually really like that one even though i had no chance of winning no um, no So, and now it's just like sort of a, a crusade or a, you know, a journey to go get a costume ready for, for this party. (laughs) Like this is, uh, I think this is one of the things that was kind of the most controversial about this is so they have, um, he goes to this guy to get a costume and then the guy finds his 14 year old daughter. And I think 14 was how how old Lily Lee Sobieski was when she played this. Um, character and so i think it was controversial having her in such like a sexualized role it also prompted me to be like i haven't seen her in anything i guess she just quit acting she's like an artist now
0: oh i don't i didn't recognize her
1: she was in well i mean i knew her from this but she was also in joyride the paul walker like horror movie where the guy the trucker is like chasing them down and he says candy cane i don't i'm you never saw joyride with Steve Zahn and Paul Walker? What the fuck are you talking about? No. <laughs> anyway, he, he buys this outfit from this guy or rents it. Uh, I like how he's like, I'll pay you $100 over. And the guy's like, absolutely not. And he's like, $200. Okay, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> it's like you
0: could have gotten so much more out of him. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, once he's in there, it... That whole thing is weird, right? And that's kind of what I mean by by It's the, the weirdest stuff. scene for it's sure. It's the weirdest scene. And it's like these uh two Asian dudes are like dressed in drag for this like sex thing that they're doing with this 14-year-old girl, and yeah, it's just uh it's bad. It's wrong. It's and bad. It's, it's also it's also played for laughs.
1: It is, is played for laughs.
0: Yeah, and then uh they he locks them in, he's like, I'm gonna call the police, deal with them later. Uh, but I think what's really the de- most depraved part is when Tom Cruise comes back to that shop to yeah. return the items. I uh, will get there. We'll we'll get to that in well, a bit. Let's just do it now. Uh, did you did you watch this with subtitles on? I did. Okay. So remember when the daughter whispered something into Tom Cruise's ears? You, it's inaudible. It's a hundred percent inaudible unless you have subtitles on. But there's no point to it either. It's not like she told him something. Yeah. She was like, get the Cape with this or whatever, but uh, we can
1: talk about it. We can talk about it now. Like he comes back to return the costume and you see the two Asian men leaving and Tom Cruise is like, what the fuck? And then he basically
0: offers his daughter to Tom Cruise. Yeah. She's like, she's, he's just prostituting her, his daughter out now. So was he mad last night that they were like
1: doing it without him? Like, I don't know. Customers. Yeah.
0: That has to be what it is. And yeah, it's just like,
1: it's probably the most fucked up thing in the movie, just that last
0: scene, you know, just no, but that's, but the, that's implication. the implication, but that's kind of that's kind of this whole movie is that the, the scenes in between and how lightly the most fucked up scenes are touched upon. Like, yeah, my 14 year old daughter, I, I sell her for prostitution moving on with the rest of the movie. And that's like, I don't know, it's so casual that it's just like you have to stop and think about it, like how messed up that really is.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, but at that point, once he figures that out, he's also had like a lot happen to him. And so it's maybe not the the most pressing thing on his mind. He's like, I just got to I got to move on.
0: So Um, let's get back chronologically. So so, yeah, so he knows the password and he's getting his costume and he takes a taxi to all the the way out there, all the way out there. And he goes there and he gives the password he's in. And then now we get to see what this fucking thing is. Um, it's kind of a,
1: an interesting detail is that castle that they used or manor or whatever you would call it. Mansion was owned by the Rothschilds. Oh, it's just like a nice detail. That's like in there. Um, he, he, he gets to the door and they're like, hello, sir. And he's like, so I guess you guys want the password. And they're like, if you want, sir, <laughs> you can like, they're both like, this is fucking weird. Why is this guy taking a cab? Um, and he says Fidelio, he's not wearing his mask yet. And then he gets in and wears it and then um, comes into like a weird ritual. And you can always tell like when people are cloaked, like the, the, the use of different colors to signify the top dogs versus like everyone else. And like the guy in right. red in
0: the middle. Right. What I was amazed at is how intricate everyone's masks were. I've seen screenshots of this movie, um, you know, very lightly. And I just remember, like, you have, like, the basic mask Tom Cruise is wearing with, like, some decorative, like, stuff on it. But you have fucking people who have masks that come out all the way to, like, three feet outside of their circumference of their head like one fucking guy looks like the sun another guy looks like the like um like a plague doctor you got you got you got half masks you got you know things that i don't know man it comes out it looks like horns arms hugging you like the the intricacy of all these masks i never realized how detailed and how different every single one is you know um what makes you what what makes you think gives him away here's my question he's obviously given away pretty early because uh people stop and stare at him almost immediately uh, and the girl knew that he was he doesn't belong immediately too Um, if it was all actually like a charade then how did the girl get that information that quickly. So here's um, what I
1: want to, here's what I want to talk about because okay. I think it's the most important part of the rest of the movie is figuring out, was this a charade or was it real? Um, And the short story that it's based off of, I think more leans to, it was not a charade. Like it was real when, you know, they, they murdered these people at the end and here, I think it's a lot more ambiguous, but the movie I think tends towards maybe it was a charade. But Sidney Pollock in the end explains it. He's like, well, these people come in limos. You came in a taxi cab, which basically means like you're rich, but you're not sex cult rich. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um, yeah. Although he could have easily afforded a, a limo. He just didn't know. Um, and so then they take his coat and I think they're a little suspicious. So they look in and they find the receipt. And I don't know if the receipt had his name on it, but if it did, and if Sidney Pollack is one of the top people, which one of the guys with an intricate mask head nods at him. And I think, uh, yeah, that, has, I think that had to be Sidney Pollack. Also, a little bit of this movie is ruined if you know that it's about the sex cult, if you know anything about it. Because as soon as I see Sidney Pollack and then I see him with like a, a hooker that's about to die in the beginning, I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to be at that orgy later. He's just, you know, he's the type. Um, And he's got to have a bigger role than just some dude at the beginning of a party. Um, Originally, Harvey Keitel had that part, but he had to back out. Um, Okay. Both are great. I think I prefer Sidney Pollack. Um, But, yeah, so then the receipt gives him away. And so then it it probably didn't have his name on him because Pollack's like, they weren't sure, but those were clues. And then, not that you didn't know the second password, but that you – Thought there could be a second password that you didn't know that there wasn't one, um, that that's what really gave you away. And I was like thinking at the time when he's saying it, I was like, just say there isn't one because like you're
0: definitely not going to get it right. So you like your I only mean, chance is that
1: they're tricking you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, then why wouldn't Nick tell him? I don't know, man. But so, well, watching watching it again, they're like, yes, the
1: first password is for admittance. But the second one is for the house. And I was like, well, it's admittance to the house. What does that even mean?
0: (laughs) Like, they're definitely thinking on the fly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they could have also like, how did they know Nick was the the loose end on that one? Right. Unless they give the piano guy a different password than the rest of the guys.
1: Well, no. Sydney Pollock said, "I saw you." Did you not watch the end of this movie? Sydney Pollock said, "I saw you talking to the piano guy at my oh, party."
0: Oh, 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 oh. Yes, 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 yes. Well, did you not watch the movie and not know her name was Mandy? Shut the fuck up. Okay. The <laughs> po- <laughs> the po- I, I didn't remember the about from it. the beginning
1: oh of the movie. All right.
0: Whatever. Whatever. He even. And I came in. I came movie. into this podcast knowing it because I watched it twice. Oh I watched God. it twice, so I knew. Whatever. All right, but listen. Fine. Yes. Um, so, so yes, all those things, but where did the girl have time to, to recognize him and warn him? That's the thing that I, is it just because Tom Cruise is so incredibly short? She's like that motherfucker saved me yesterday evening. Like, how does she know? And if she had to be told, how did they have time to get that information to her? If she was already naked and kneeling in the thing. That's what I'm saying. The timeline doesn't make sense.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Because she immediately takes him and starts walking off with him. And she's like, you shouldn't be
0: here. And Um, then what's also weird is that she's taken away. And he doesn't think that's weird. He still sticks around. Dude, I'd just be out of there.
1: Yeah. And the only explanation for if it is. But but here's the thing, though. Whether it's fake or real, her recognizing him is a plot hole. Unless she just recognizes him. So they take her away and tell her what to say, I guess, right? Because she's like, yeah, it's, this guy's not fucking it. But why is she like, it's dangerous. And maybe it's dangerous because she just knows how powerful these people are. But are they are – they're powerful, but but are they the killing type? Usually powerful people are. Or are they the um, – just the, the sex club part? Um,
0: so – yeah well so the rest of the sequence is just basically tom cruise going from room to room and it just gets more depraved and sexually um i I love uh, there's there's one
1: part he he walks through as like it's this is the room where like the women are going down on each other and just people are watching i did realize in the second watch that like i don't think any of the rich people are fucking because the guys that are fucking are like all in really good shape too so I think they hire dudes to fuck these women, too. And they just kind of watch. And then maybe there's like private rooms where the, the rich, ugly guys would fuck. But- I don't
0: know. I think everyone was fucking. I think some people's thing is just to watch. So that's what those people were doing. But I'm pretty sure a lot of those dudes were just. And also, it, it doesn't seem like there's enough women for all those dudes. Right. It's But like, like, what's so special about they- the women in the circle versus like the other women you see around the house? I don't know. The The point I was making is in the, women, in the one where
1: the women are just going at each other, Tom Cruise walks by and then the camera pans on Tom Cruise. And there's a dude whose mask is just like a big hole in the middle, like a gape. Like he's like in shock at what he's looking at. The mask looks in shock. There's like, oh, that's just yes. like a funny, nice
0: detail. I told yeah, Ashley I, that and she's like, oh, that.
1: what's that hole for <laughs> in the
0: mask? <laughs> you know what that hole is for. Don't even. Uh, but yeah, um, so then he 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 runs into that same chick again and she's like, no, seriously, you got to get the fuck out of here. And he's like, come with me. Like all of a sudden he's like super infatuated with this girl, which whatever won't take off her mask, which now we know because it wouldn't have even made sense if we, if we did see her face. Um, and uh, yeah, and then somebody and then she leaves. Right. It's almost like it, this part almost makes me believe is because it's staged. She leaves, and as she's leaving, frame the the bodyguard dude comes into frame. Like it's almost like, um, uh, practice.
1: I, right? I, I think I think that I think it's staged. I think it makes more sense for it to be staged. There are a couple details that, um, what you just said it, it gives me pause, but I think that's sort of just like a a little bit of maybe a plot. Whatever. Or you could just say the timing of when he walks in, you know, they could have like headphones and they could be talking to, you know, earpieces. Yeah, exactly. Talking to each other. Yeah. Um, But the way like she tells him like, Oh, you know, this is dangerous. They'll kill you. They'll kill me. It it all. When you take that in and also consider they give him a first warning and then he starts snooping and he comes back and they're like, they have this piece of paper like, Oh, we're going to give you a second warning. If they were that powerful, they would just kill him, right? Because they not only give him the second warning, which the second warning doesn't even say this is your last warning, because they know, like, well, what what are we gonna do on the third one? But the third time, they're finally like, all right, fuck, Sydney Pollock's like, I'll talk to him and I'll straighten. I didn't I don't want him to know this, but now I'll yeah. talk to him because this isn't going away. Um But what I wanted to tell you is so And I'm not even going to ask if you recognize the voice, but the woman, Abigail Good, who played the naked woman in this in these scenes at the orgy, she has a had a British accent and she couldn't affect an American accent. So they got someone to do the dub and the person they got to do the dub was Kate Blanchett.
0: That's funny,
1: which I didn't recognize at all.
0: I mean, now that you say it, I can see it. You know, uh, Taylor and I were trying to figure out who who the masked woman was. It's like we knew we knew it had to be someone from her pat his past, right? Or else it wouldn't make sense. And he was like, she was like, well, what if it's the wife? And I was like, those aren't th- those aren't Nicole Kidman's titties. Sorry, I mean it wasn't Mandy's either, but but it wasn't the wife. And I'm like, how how weird would it be? It's like you keep cutting back to the wife sitting at the dinner table, being bored, reading a magazine, and then you're like, oh, but she made it to the cult. Too. Like she was part of this too. I was like, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be very unexpected, but also doesn't make any sense to the rest of the story.
1: Yeah, when I didn't know what was going on in this movie, but I knew it involved a sex cult. I almost thought he took his wife to this, and like they got lost. This is in how the we're world. gonna get our.
0: This is how we're gonna get our marriage back on track, honey. Exactly.
1: But then she got more lost in the world than he did, and he was, you know, that's what I thought this was going for. It, it is. It more went into a mystery, and I think like there's this tonal shift and it happens when he gets tricked and brought into this room. Cause first of all, there's this funny moment right before that where he walks through and like all the naked people are just dancing in a ballroom and some of them are dancing men and men and women and women and some naked people with like servers and bartenders. It's like, right. Right. And then he walks in and there's this piano music. It's just like one note gets played over and over again and faster and faster. And they keep using that later on in the movie at different points. And it's like, haunting and perfect for this and i think i read somewhere that like um the music hadn't been added yet but i think sydney pollock may have been involved in getting that in but either way it's like such a genius like move that
0: music in these i don't know if you read this somewhere if this is accurate but from what i noticed is when they when he first walks in and they're doing the ritual and and nick nightingale is playing the piano yeah the music that's playing in that scene are all string instruments. Like it's not piano at all, unless he's playing some sort of Casio keyboard that uh, like mimics string. I instruments. Didn't notice that. But they were all string instruments, which didn't make, like I was trying to compute piano out of there, but, um, but I was like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, it, it fit more to the thing. Maybe, I don't know, maybe at that point. Okay. So the beginning of the movie, there's a song playing and you find out that it's actually the song that's playing in the radio of their apartment as they're getting ready. Right. Right. But, but then you think because you're watching this and you see the piano player, you, you would connect that the music playing is the music, but, but maybe it's not, maybe it's a soundtrack at that point.
1: And maybe that's just
0: to say like his life is real, but whatever this is, has like a fantasy to it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that separation. Well, and they do talk about
1: like the real versus dream at the ending, and yeah, that that could be it. I didn't really notice the string versus piano part of it. Um, so he 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 goes in. They ask him for the second password. He doesn't know it. They make him take off his mask. There's all this murmuring. They're like, "Oh my god, oh, 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 who's that?" I love oh, the murmuring, like that. yeah, yeah. And
0: yeah. then
1: they're like, "Tell him to get naked," and she's like, "No." Oh. I will redeem him. And that makes it seem fake, too, because, like, what does that mean? It's like, oh, we got to come up with some cool term. And then he's like, what's going to happen to the woman? Nothing can stop what is going to happen to her. And I had a thought here. The the dude's voice is not good enough for this role. And I think Mm. I wanted Jeremy Irons to have that
0: problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's disappointing when it's not Jeremy Irons, actually, most of it is, but um, like the Hungarian guy could be Jeremy Irons, right? Kind of look like oh my him too. God, oh, yeah,
1: Jeremy Irons would be good in that too, um, but you needed like more foreign, so um and also uh, you know, I had this thought like all these rich and powerful people have now seen his face, so I thought this movie could also go into like a they just start fucking with him, which a little bit they do, but it turns out to just be Sidney Pollack like fucking with yeah. him, he's yeah. in charge of it. Um, and he actually explains later on, he's like, yeah, that fucking piano player really fucked me with these guys. <laughs> like,
0: I'm not going to get to go to the orgies anymore. <laughs> I just want to know how this is like set up. Like, what's the background on this? I mean, purposely, I guess we just never find out. But like the this is... overhead and the planning, there's got to be committees. Yeah. And is there a religious aspect to it? Like what was with the sacramental like smoke in the beginning? You know? When he's on, like, an elevator, they need a piano player on this elevated stage, and then there's, like, this, um, um, yeah, I don't know. You gotta pay off, you gotta pay off the valet, the bodyguards, no one can talk about this, like, it's just weird.
1: Yeah, so it definitely has to be some sort of, uh, organization. Um, he gets home, and, uh, his wife, like, is laughing in her sleep. He's like, oh, what's the matter? She's like, I was just getting... Fucking gang
0: by a hundred dudes <laughs> while you were looking and I was laughing at you. Yeah, that that's a weird thing to admit. Um, but also, he, it's funny that she was having the dream of basically what he was living, but he wasn't like part of it. it. It's almost like it actually just happened to him. Like everyone in that thing was like laughing at him, but his wife wasn't getting banged. But yeah, well, that that is the that is like
1: the the similarity they're playing with the fact that. He saw this happening to these women, and she's like, "That's what I dreamed of." I mean she says later, you know, my dream versus your reality." she she says, "You know Our and if anything real this, experiences
0: this drives up his sexual frustration even more, you know, but like you said, now the movie really isn't about that. it's about that the mystery, but um he's still pushed to that level, right? because now you have like paranoia into the mix there, um, and- especially you see that when he returns the thing and he, he forgot the mask.
1: Yeah, which is yeah, that is that is interesting. That part of it that almost tends to be like we don't get an explanation, but that could be interpreted as, as like this organization planted it there to 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 let him know, like, hey. But really, you could also think it's like his own guilt. He forgot that because he wanted to tell her the same way she got in the fight with him to tell him. I think that's. I the took more...
0: it. I took it that way. I took it that way because I, I. I took it that way. I don't think that they she could have found it and put it on his pillow. as like, I found this weird thing without knowing what yeah. it is, you know? No. Yeah, absolutely. So the next morning he
1: goes looking for Nick Nightingale. And I want to say the, this is written in a way that's like a little bit more convoluted and doesn't, is it necessary? It doesn't make sense. Like the nightclub is closed and maybe they were just like when writing it, like, well, nightclub wouldn't be open at this time. So he goes next door to a cafe and just like, Oh, Hey, you wouldn't, Know when they're gonna be in. And do you know Nick Nightingale? And she's like, oh yeah, he's he's coming here. Do you know his address? And it's like, why didn't you just have him go to the nightclub and someone happens to be there who shouldn't be? You know what I mean? Like this whole like maybe he told this waitress. I mean, maybe the implication is like, oh, he told her where he stayed because he's cheating on his wife while he's all over the country.
0: I took I took that. I took I took it like that. And you know, it's so funny, it's like at the point where he uh, is trying to lose the tail of this guy that's tailing him. Later on, he he just jumps into like the neighboring coffee shop. Uh, and Taylor pointed this out: is that do you know how many women at this point imply that they want to fuck Tom Cruise and offer him coffee at the same time? That dude had like five cups of coffee that day.
1: <laughs> but even the newsstand lady, she was a little bit older, but she she would have done it. Um. So he goes to the to the hotel and Alan Cumming is there. And apparently Alan Cumming. Coming in clutch, yeah. Cooper didn't know that he was Scottish because he just affected an American accent the whole time. So he like was unaware <laughs> who he had hired. And he had to like he had to audition like six times for this tiny part. Um he, also just tells everyone, it's okay, you can tell me things. I'm a doctor. And yeah. the lady <laughs> in the cafe's like okay, doctor, but I still
0: don't think I should do this. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he puts up his doctor thing for the costume guy. He puts up his doctor thing for the for the Alan Cumming character. And what's funny, too, is that Taylor coming into this movie halfway thought it was a ploy just to get people to talk. And I'm like, no, he's a he's a real doctor. She goes, is that legal? I go, no, it's it doesn't even make sense.
1: Well, it's not illegal. It's just doesn't yeah, it's illogical is what it is like they would are like, Oh, no, 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 ma'am. I can touch your breast on the doctor.
0: No, it's not. It's not legal. I'm pretty sure it's illegal on the case that like, hey, I'm this guy's doctor. So you have to tell me where he is. I'm pretty sure that's an illegal part. Um, Maybe that But I'm just saying flashing
1: your medical badge to get information. Um, Like yeah, he's a I mean, fucking he, cop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's could be some fraud involved in the other. But like, I don't really know what the. It's Ill- it doesn't matter. Goes down and coming. He does the whole I'm a doctor thing. And uh, did anything weird happen? He's like, I guess you could say something weird happened. Uh yeah. These two big guys brought him in and one went upstairs with him. And then he tried to pass me a note and they uh, they took the note away. And then they you know, there's a bruise on his cheek, which that is the only part that's like. Did they kill Nick Nightingale? You know, because why would they take the note? Why would he be passing a note to this guy? And why would they take it away? You can easily explain that away. And it's like, maybe they were just like, you have to get the fuck out of town right now. And we're taking you to the airport. You know, that's an alternate explanation. But the way they treated him in this and the note passing thing definitely tends towards, this is like an evil organization that was like murdering all these people. But also like, why wouldn't they just murder Tom Cruise? Maybe yeah, because that, of the
0: religious aspect and they're like, she redeemed him, I guess, or he's too important in that society. Like he's the, he's a concierge doctor to like a lot of really wealthy people who can afford a concierge doctor. So maybe, maybe that's it. But he also has his own practice, which is kind of weird too. But um, yeah. And then, I mean, I'm surprised Alan coming actually did Alan coming offer him coffee. I'm pretty sure Alan Cumming wanted to fuck Tom Cruise too. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, no, it was very clear he did. He did. I don't even know if that was part of his directions. or He just was like, he did it. Um, And then we get the return in the costume and the mask is forgotten and the Asian men walk out and the daughter is offered as, you know, if you want. Um, And then he cancels all his appointments and goes out to the property. He gets this note that's like, second warning, bitch, do not keep looking. uh, You know, they say don't make inquiries. And I was like, that's such a weird way to put it. It's exactly how I would imagine them putting it, though.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, and this um, is
1: where the, the piano comes in again. And every time I hear it, I was just like, so, so good.
0: So he's walking the streets of New York slash not New York. And uh, this is like very long takes of him just walking down these streets. He kind of notices that he's being tailed by this guy in this trench coat. And you're like, is he being paranoid or is he actually being tailed? Um, and then it's not until they have this stare off where he like kind of breaks into a, um, like take a side street in front of this newsstand, newspaper stand. And then they have this stare off and then the guy, it's just like, oh, fuck, whatever. And just like leaves. Um, so this, then, uh, this yeah.
1: leads me to a story I have. Okay. So the first time I ever went out of the country, uh, I went on a short-term study abroad to Switzerland. And, you know, when you go overseas, you're, you're, you get kind of messed up with the timing. And I was told not to take a nap. Like when we landed the plane, I was like, I'm taking a nap. So the next day I woke up at like 4.30 in the morning. Okay. And, uh, something that I don't do much is I was like, oh, I'm going to go for a run. So I just kind of was like, went out like jogging a little bit and I was just sort of walking and seeing the city. And, uh, it's in Geneva. It's a very clean city. There's like no one around because it's so early. And then I just noticed there's this guy walking behind me. And this guy was huge. And I was, like, in really good shape at the time. And I was just like, okay. And I always have this thing where I don't like people following me. Um, and so I noticed him following me. And I just had the thought. I was like, all right, well, I just can't let this guy get close to me. Because I was like, he's not faster than me. But
0: if he gets a hold of me, that's going to be you, Are you running? Are you jogging? And he's jogging at behind this, you? or
1: at, the, at this point, I was just kind of walking. And so I turn down a street, he turns down a street. So then I make a left down a street, he makes a left down a street. And at this point, I was like, okay, I don't like this anymore. So I go halfway down the block, I run across the street, and then start walking back the other way. And then I look back, and this dude stops where I had crossed the street and is just kind of looking around. I was like, oh, fuck, really? That was exactly what I thought it was. I was like, that's fucking crazy. So then I start heading in like the opposite direction I was going in. And I'm like, I haven't seen him. You know, I just kind of took off. I like ran for like four or five blocks and I was just like, got away from him. I was like, you know, I'm not going to let him get close or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then I'm over by the train station and there's these like escalators and I'm just kind of looking at storefronts or whatever. And I know exactly where I am, like in comparison to, you know, my hotel or whatever. And then I see in the reflection of the mirror, a person coming up the escalator. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Is it this guy? And it was this guy. I don't even know if it was happenstance. And I was like, all right, fuck it. And I just like ran back to the hotel. It was like two or three more blocks. I was just like, I can't even believe it was like so odd. He didn't say anything to me. And it makes no sense that he found me. Cause I just walked into like a completely opposite direction afterwards. I don't like,
0: it was just it's like because oddest you're not a- experience you're not a very confrontational guy, but imagine if you were, if you just turned to him and you were like, are you fucking following me? And he was like, Oh, uh, I, uh, (laughs) I clean the streets. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's like, I don't even know who you are. Like, (laughs) are you following me? Like,
1: (laughs) yeah, I don't know. It's It's just so, it's just so odd, such an like odd experience to have that happen. But yeah, like, I, I do think the way this guy follows him, it's just like he's in a trench coat. He's looking kind of menacingly and he's just like staring at him. I think it is to just fuck with him. Right. And and right before this, he uh, this is when he had called that fiance and he like there's also this point where he just like can't stop thinking about his wife fucking the naval officer and he
0: like never not stop thinking about that.
1: Did you notice through the movie how the flashbacks got like more and more gratuitous? Nicole Kidman was more and more naked. Yeah. Um, one thing I read about this was kind of not funny, but so like after this, she went and filmed Practical Magic, and she actually had to go back from there. That was filmed in like Oregon. She had to fly back to LA for like an emergency surgery because she had like a cyst, like I think it was an ovarian cyst. Okay. And uh, the guy that filmed those scenes with her said that like at certain points he was like kind of humping her pretty hard. Cause that's what Kubrick was asking for. And she was like, you know, not saying, Oh no, she didn't want to do that. She was like game for it. But he was like, she kind of seemed like she was in pain. And then afterwards when she got the sister move, like one of the things I read was like, he didn't cause it, but he may have like exacerbated it and kind of like those humping scenes, like may have caused it to where she had to get that surgery quicker than she would have. And it's just kind of crazy like once again like there's three days like the lengths they went to that it's it's like something that like definitely now is not something that I think happens.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting how like a movie like this that's supposed to be like you, like you're watching a movie and you're like, "Oh, this is a cool movie or whatever, but it's all fake." But how like a movie like this had like real life repercussions.
1: Yeah, and, and the other the other thought I had like a kind of a global thought about this is, you know, I always have this Feeling in movies where i'm just like i don't think nudity is very necessary in almost any movie i do think except for like the scenes in the beginning where nicole kidman's naked i don't think are very necessary but all the rest of it i do actually think is kind of necessary for the story you're telling like the sex cult stuff it doesn't make it it takes you out of it if you're just like women in their underwear but having like you know i mean like the, the kind of the graphic nature of it is kind of necessary for this movie. And then like the flashbacks to Nicole Kim and she even said are necessary. If she's just in her bra, it's like it doesn't have the psychological effect that you're trying to represent on Tom Cruise of why he's like going out, you know, to sex cults or like investigating potential murders or like calling up this fiance whose dad died to potentially have sex or going back to a prostitute. You know what I mean? that the nature of it needed to be graphic and I I do kind of agree with that for for most of the scenes in this movie.
0: I mean Yeah. Uh the story that's basically being told here is that the world is depraved and, and I guess people who are supposed to be like pure like Tom Cruise get still get caught up into it and like devoured like carnally devoured by it. Um I like I said, I, I like what this movie is trying to say. It, it It's just it has a weird way of going about it, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So so where are we? we? We get to him breaking from the guy being followed by the guy to this newspaper stand. We made a joke earlier, not on the podcast, but like earlier today about how we just won't talk about the newspaper stand. And you're like, that's a vital part of what happens later. And you're like, absolutely. I'm like, you know, you're absolutely right. He finds. Uh, in the newspaper article, again, he goes for coffee, again, for like the fifth time today. Um, but he reads the newspaper and he finds out that the same chick, Mandy, Amanda Curran, who was like an ex-Miss Beauty pageant. pageant. Yeah, either winner, winner or
1: contestant.
0: I think, I mean, you wouldn't make a news article about a contestant, right? She had to be a winner. Um, she placed eighth. <laughs> nah, no one cares. Uh, no, this winner, uh, and... <laughs> And um she OD'd and that's what brings him to the hospital, and that what brings realizes that she's dead, and he goes and sees her in the morgue. And I love about this too, this is the only time that his actual like little doctor badge makes sense. Um as he shows it You know what's funny is so when he
1: goes to the morgue, the first time I watched it, I hadn't made the connection that this was the Mandy from the beginning. So I was like, why is he going to view the body? Is he gonna try
0: and recognize her from her tits? I was like, why is he going to look? I mean, that's okay. So I I thought I recognized her from her tits because those that woman on this on the, in the morgue had the same what looked to me like had the same body as the woman in the sex cult, but not the same. So that's why I thought it was the same woman, but not the same woman from the beginning.
1: Yeah. But as I said, I think they, they depending on the way you're laying, laying or standing, they would hang differently. Um, I also found it really funny that he's like almost going in for a kiss and like this black dude, more is just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? (laughs) Please, sir, please. I can't, I don't want to have to report you. Can you get out of here? Uh, one thing before we get to the final, uh, like the Pollock scene is, um, we find out that Domino, the prostitute from earlier, he goes to see her. I was like, why is he going to see her? And he brought her like what a fancy cake or whatever, which is such a Tom Cruise thing to do. And, um, (laughs) finds out she's HIV positive and I was like, I don't really get what this is. But I, I think I realized it is like, you know, the, you know, the depravity of the world and Tom Cruise has kind of stayed above it. And because of the things that have happened with his wife, he's like dabbling in it and how yeah. close he was to making like this fatal mistake.
0: You know what I mean? Well, what What's also weird too, is that Domino isn't home, but her roommate Sally or something is, and he immediately starts, wanting to have sex with sally he hasn't he's been able to avoid an affair this entire time and now he's just like you know what i just met you but let's do this thing and sally's like we should probably sit down first but um, see, that doesn't make sense have, to you, me
1: you should get tested
0: <laughs> Does But Sally knows that they didn't have sex because Domino, Sally said, hey, Domino, you're Bill. You're the doctor, Bill. Domino talked really nicely about you. He, she said you you were really nice to her. And I'm mean, like, you would think in that conversation, he's like, hey, he didn't have sex with me. He He got guilty from his wife, but he still paid me the $150. You think that would come up? But then somehow Sally still thinks that. That he had sex with her. I think, I don't know. I
1: don't, I don't know.
0: There's, I don't know a, there's a little bit of plot holes in this movie if you're not like super paying attention. I mean, or if you are super paying attention, <laughs> but not enough. Pl- plot holes in a lot of movies
1: if you're not paying attention.
0: Yeah, yeah. But not enough to like really be like, oh, this movie is unbelievable, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, and one thing too, back to the, the morgue, uh, the morgue scene, they replay into as Tom Cruise looks at her, they replay the girl from the party saying, oh, we're in danger. I could die. And I was like, oh, you know, normally in movies, I'm like, oh, that's what you're doing that for the audience. Cause they're stupid. And like, you need to, but I was like, this time I was like, that totally makes sense because this is one. I didn't make the connection to Mandy from earlier, but two, even if you did, that was two hours and 15 minutes ago. <laughs> so, like, you really needed to spell it out
0: again. Yeah, I guess. I guess. did. He Was it just her voice or did they cut to, like, an actual um, cut? It was just her voice. Oh, well, see, I like that. Then That makes more sense. If it's just her voice, if you're not actually cutting to back to that, I hate when movies, I don't care if a movie is three hours long. I hate it when it cuts back to an earlier scene. Like, did you forget this stupid audience member? They did that in Spider-Man Homecoming, and I just hate it. Was it, uh, cutting back to a,
1: a scene from like, Oh wait, Homecoming's the first one, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, I thought you were talking about
1: the third one. Um, so now we get to the Pollock scene and he has him come over and you know immediately what this is, right? Like it's as the audience, you have to know. And he's like, I know what happened last night. And Tom Cruise is like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, I was there you
0: asshole. I saw your face. Yeah. We, I think he says we can cut the bullshit. You know, and he just goes right into it. And that's when Tom Cruise is like, fuck, dude. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, I had you followed
1: because I knew you were investigating. We had, you know, I knew it was that fucking prick Nick. And he's like, I'm not going to get invited to the orgies. Uh, He has this line, too, where he's trying to assuage his fears that anything really bad is happening. But then he's also like, you wouldn't sleep at night if I told you who was there. And it's like, what? (laughs) Okay. What does that mean?
0: mean? (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah. Um and then uh I love like the explaining the giveaway like what, you know, the taxi, the the receipt, the not having a second password is really cool. Yeah. But then yeah. it really gets down to to the girl that he, you know, he's like what happened to Mandy? And he's like, "Dude, you saw her the other night when she fucking OD'd." Like she, and he actually even said he says, you know, you with Mandy the other night, she almost OD'd. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's comparing it to that other girl that OD'd. Obviously, he's saying no. like she, And this is, like, the integral part that makes me believe that the movie is trying to tell you that this is all just a – it was a charade. And, like, this is – this organization, you know, they they fuck, but they don't kill. Um, just the fact that he's like, you know, the movie shows you in the beginning, this woman OD'd.
0: They're one her- rule. <laughs> <laughs> we fuck this, we do a bunch of other kind of shit but we don't kill
1: Um. <laughs> so but they show you know they show her taking heroin and cocaine and he's like listen you're, you did you came out of it this time but you need to go to rehab you might not survive next time and then what does she do as an addict she doesn't survive the next time because she gets high but she does it at her apartment by herself and and she dies. So I think that it, I think the movie leaves it somewhat ambiguous, but I think it is telling you this was all in Tom Cruise's head. though. like the bigger conspiracy of this. And they're really, this organization was just like, fuck man, I want to have our orgy still. This guy's going to ruin
0: everything. Yeah. And I think it leaves it so ambiguous that, you're still, you, we still don't know for sure. Right. Like we're not a hundred percent about anything we're saying. We're, we're just speculating off of like what the movie has revealed to us, but that doesn't matter. Right. Who are we? We don't matter in this, uh, in this case, the only one who matters who actually believes it is Tom Cruise. And it gets to him so much, right? Like I don't, I don't think by the end of the movie, he even believed it. If it was a charade, he, I think he thinks it was real because when he came home and he sees the mask laying on the pillow he just has a complete breakdown. And that's when he reveals everything to to Alice, to Nicole Kidman. You know,
1: I actually took it the exact opposite. I think whether he believed it or not, he made himself believe it because it was easier. It was like a more convenient. He could move on with his life and get back to his wife. Mm. And I actually think he was like, I believe this. And then he sees the mask. He's like, fuck. And she like, looks at him. He's like, I have to tell you everything. And he just the weight of everything that he had been through kind of came over him. Um, But he didn't do anything
0: wrong. Like, yes, he did, but nothing, nothing too, nothing too. uh, I I don't know. I mean, he looked, but he didn't touch. (laughs) But I mean, the whole, the whole nerves of, of, infiltrating this thing and being followed and being attacked and then and then just the paranoia of it. Yeah, it, it would just be too much for any one person to just keep in the entire time. The, my favorite cut in the entire movie is where he's crying on the bed. She wakes up. He goes, I gotta tell you everything. And it just hard cuts to the next morning and she's just like on the couch, makeup running, like the little makeup she had on from the night before. Her hair's a mess. He looks distraught as fuck. She looks distraught as fuck. I was like, is this how this movie is going to end? Because there's eight minutes left of this movie at this point. Right. I'm like, is this how this movie is going to end? Is that it's Christmas morning and the and their daughter runs in They're like she's like, Mommy, Daddy, Merry Christmas. And then boom, the, the the movie ends. I think that would have been a cool way to end it. But it it they they go to like this, like FAO shorts sort of store. Yeah, no. Like the yeah, rich people that, toy store.
1: <laughs> I think that it is FA Schwartz. And, you know, they're just talking about everything. I feel like they're both relieved. And she even says as much to where it's like, we kind of got caught up in my dream and your reality, or, you know, and it could have ruined us, but it didn't. And she's like, oh, you know, it was a close call, but we're awake now. And then, I love the last line, but you know what we need to do immediately? He's like, what? Fuck. And it's it's funny. Someone pointed this out. That's the last line in any Kubrick movie.
0: What do you mean is that's fuck. the last? Because this was, was the last movie. It's the last line of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and for that like, to be the last line of the movie is kind of funny.
1: The other line I like too from Pollock in the, the scene right before this, she's like, do you know what happened to her after you left that night? She got her brains fucked out. <laughs> Imagine him just be like, well, "That's a little harsh, man. I thought me and her had a future <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I mean the the fact that they could have this hope. I was confused on what day it was. Was it Christmas morning? Did parents used to, instead of like buying their kids' toys, just go to a toy store Christmas morning and get them whatever the fuck they want?
1: I don't think it was Christmas morning. I think it was like, you know, leading up to Christmas and they just like bought her, you know, they went shopping with her and let her pick something out. Now, maybe, maybe that is like a tradition thing where people, I don't know. Then he, he went to an orgy on Christmas Eve Eve. He was investigating, (laughs) he was doing a murder investigation on Christmas Eve, like...
0: No, it doesn't make sense for it to be because she's because the daughter is is going around picking out toys like this will be cute. I really want this. And, they're, yeah, and yeah. they're not buying it. They're just being like they're just like taking a mental note. Like, OK, that thing, that thing. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's like maybe like the 20th or the 21st. But it's getting it's it's a little late for Christmas shopping. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah, um, there's a couple of things I want to talk about, because
1: one of the craziest things I read is that. And you know Stanley Kubrick, we've seen his other movies. Doctor mm-hmm. Strangelove is one we did. He originally was going to do this movie as a comedy. And the first person he was going to choose to to play the Tom Cruise part was Woody Allen.
0: Oh man!
1: Like uh, <laughs> Woody Allen <laughs> walking through an orgy is funny. Is like it's 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 not not funny. But it's, then he went on. He went he went on to um he talked about harrison ford um but i just think the idea that this was going to be a comedy is one like i do want to see that version of it it's probably a yeah. lot shorter um
0: that would have made a great movie like, the, the 14 about year old prostitute still is in the movie as a comedy that stays but the but the uh, guys harassing him calling him uh, all sort of like uh, derogatory homosexual words that 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 goes, you know, maybe the 14 year old prostitute turns out to be like an 87 year old prostitute and be like, that's my grandmother. Yeah. She's actually played by Mickey Rourke. <laughs> it would
1: have worked. It would have worked. It worked. Um, this movie was like, you know, you you watch it 23 years later and it's just it is tamer. Um. I was just surprised at like how much I enjoyed it. Like it's two hours and 40 minutes long. It's like, but it's a simple story and it's just methodical in the way it's, it's told. Yeah. And it's just like super entertaining, super interesting. The last hour, hour and a half is like super tense. Um, it's just really like, I, you're watching a Stanley Kubrick movie and it's just so obviously it's going to be great. I think this is one of his lesser liked ones, but it was really great to me.
0: I saw somewhere that this, this movie still shows up on people's top 100 movies of all time. I don't know if it's number 100. um, But I, I think it's a really well done movie. And is there some fat maybe you could cut around it? Sure. Possibly. But like you said, it's Stanley Kubrick, so he he could do he could do whatever he wants and it'd be fine. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and we finally watched Eyes Wide Shut.